Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hey there, everyone. Uh, welcome back to another episode. Thanks again for being a premium subscriber, for supporting the podcast, not just with your listening, but also with your dollars. I really appreciate it. And today I want to talk with you about a really interesting uh, question I got from a listener. She said, one thing that's always puzzled me is why do some lucky people get to see and hear their loved ones? I've heard of accounts of people seeing their loved ones as solid as a live person and speaking, but mediums say that we communicate telepathically in the afterlife. Maybe some people can manifest their voice, their body back if strong enough. And she'd like to know any thoughts on that. So this is a, a great question, of course, that we wonder why is it that, again, some people seem to get better communications than we do. Uh, some people even get to see their loved one or actually feel them physically. I want to start by saying that that's very rare. Um, while it's certainly not impossible, I believe it has happened. It's pretty rare, and I think there's probably several good reasons why it is rare, and we're going to go through some of those as we're going through the podcast today. So first of all, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Some people do get these experiences, and some of us wish we could have them. Uh, some people have had transformative, you know, vivid interactions, uh, very vivid dreams, or actually even physical encounters. But some of us only get like gentle nudges. We get subtle signs. We might get an inexplicable feeling of presence. We might get synchronicities. We may feel like we're not getting something as strong as other, people's, other people do. So if you haven't had the encounter that you're looking for, uh, don't think it's because you're doing something wrong and everybody else is having their loved ones come and visit and sit down and talk with them. As I said, those encounters are pretty rare. It typically doesn't come across as more of something that's that's uh, more subtle. So let's talk about some of the reasons why we may not get the communications that we like and why we don't get communications all the time. Uh, one of the concepts that I think is important that I don't think it's addressed often enough is the idea of permission. Um, I've heard some people in the afterlife say that they are people who have been to the afterlife say that they have to have permission to to interact with us in our lives. And think about the Star Trek Prime Direct Directive. And the Star Trek Prime Directive says that you should be no interference. There should be no interference with a natural development of civilizations. And I think similarly, when we go into spirit, you know, people on the other side can't interfere with our free will too much. We not we're not supposed to be making this connection all the time. And while the people on the other side may be eager to, to interact with us and may be eager to um, to give us more assurance, there may be some rules that are there that we don't understand while we're here. Maybe rules or ethical considerations that govern how they can interact with us. 
Another thing that I think we need to think about is the conditions required for communication. Having worked on the cell phone for several years now, uh, working on a device that's highly sensitive, that's highly specialized for having spirit communication, I can tell you it's not as easy as we might think it is. Um, so there are actually conditions, physical conditions that get, that can affect the way that our communications go, as well as emotional and our state of mind um, and conditions. So some people say that, for example, we get more communications early in the morning, like two, three in the morning. Uh, and some people say that's because people's minds are more quiet at that, that time, that people can come through. I've heard that being around a body of water can enhance spirit communications. So just like you think about a radio signal, uh, it can travel farther under certain atmospheric conditions. I think spirit communications do require conditions as well. And there can be, quote unquote, blocks to spirit communication. Some people I've heard say, you know, your loved one can't get through to you because your grief is too deep. And I have a friend that describes it as like if your your grief is like a, a vat of Crisco and a feather were to fall down and sit on that vat of Crisco, the feather couldn't get through if the Crisco is solid. But if you heated it up by, say, raising your vibrations, then the feather could get through and get down to you. So people sometimes feel guilty or, or feel badly because it's like, wait, well, I'm blocking the communication from my loved one. But there's also a flip side of that. I've heard people say that because they were so desperate and they cried out for communication that they got it. So I think it's kind of like the Rolling Stones says, we don't always get what we want, but we get what we need. And I know for myself, sometimes as I do the podcast, I interview people, I had these great, you know, fantastic, really wild communications. I would get jealous of them. And I finally had to realize that the communication that I get is, I think, the one that's right for me at the time. Um, this idea that I, I talked about earlier about permission leads me to talk about something that we call the veil. And the veil is that that thing or that that principle that separates our physical reality from the spiritual realm. And it's not just an accident. I don't believe it. It was. It's in place by accident. I think it's actually a feature. It's something that we agree to when we come here. Christian Sundberg describes it as when he came into the body, they put the veil over him, or they put the veil on him. And this veil allows us to focus on our current earthly experiences, the lessons that we're here to learn, the growth that we're meant to have. So imagine you're trying to live your life here, where you're getting a constant stream of text messages say from the afterlife and all you were, and you kept focusing on the afterlife it wouldn't allow you to have the richness of the experience of living on earth it wouldn't allow you to have the the reality or the, the total submersion that we have when we when were here on earth so it might become overwhelming and distracting if our loved ones were constantly dropping in on us and talking to us all the time so i believe that this veil is there by design now sometimes we can we can see through the veil. Sometimes it's thinner than others. Some people are better at communicating across the veil than others. But I, I believe that the veil is there for a reason. I just want to talk about the way that our communications with our loved ones can actually change over time. This is something I've observed with myself, with my daughter Shayna being in spirit. Um, I think the dream visits are not as as many as they used to be. The signs, I don't say, I'm not going to say they're not as many as they used to be, but maybe they're they're lesser. But I was remember talking to someone on my podcast. I interviewed a woman named Louise Hamlin, and her husband had communicated to her and to her friends through WhatsApp. 
And it was really wild. She was getting these WhatsApp messages. Her husband was sending these really wild signs. And if you can look up, you want to look up the episode, you can listen to the rest of it. But as I was talking to her, I said, well, have the signs dropped off? And she said, yeah, they, they actually have. And we were, we were kind of uh, pondering why that might be. And what hit me was that I think, again, kind of going back to we get what we need, that we may not need that physical proof as much as our relationship with our loved one evolves. And as I said this to her, she said, you know, I do feel my husband's presence more now than I did when I was getting the physical signs. And she even gave an example of like when she was driving, she said he would always kind of give her a hard time about her driving. And she said sometimes she almost felt like he was taking over as she was driving. So I think as our relationship with our loved one evolves, and we start to maybe let go of that physical a little bit that we don't need those physical signs as much. The other thing I want to talk to you about is the very the various types of communications we get from the afterlife. We seem to value some more than others. Of course, we we might think we want to see our loved one, but think about how how much fear that might cause you if you actually did. Um, and ironically, just this morning when I was uh, working on this podcast, but I, I wasn't thinking I was going to be doing this particular subject, but I was sitting in the hallway in the dark putting my shoes on, and I heard a noise in one of the bedrooms. And I thought, you know, what if that's, you know, what if that was, say, Shana coming through or, or one of my loved ones that was in the bedroom and I opened the door and I saw them, I would be terrified, you know, so we, we have to be careful about what we wish for. So there are many different forms that spirit communication can take with us. And I think we need to be open to all of them. There can be dreams. And a lot of us really want that dream visit. I've heard so many people say to me, I really wish I could get a dream visit. But there are also signs of the natural world, like coins and feathers and birds and animal behavior. There's lots and lots of different signs. Synchronicities, the timing of things that happen. Um, messages that we can get through through reputable mediums. So there's a whole various ways that our loved ones can communicate with us. And sometimes I think we're missing those things because we're so focused on one particular type of communication that someone else might have got gotten. So let's talk about what you can do to enhance your chances of getting more communications and getting more signs. And there are things that you can do. There are very practical steps. Um, practicing mindfulness, you know, uh, trying to raise your spirit, to use that term. Uh, practicing meditation can help you to tune in to these more subtle frequencies. Because again, often these things are subtle and we need to learn to quiet our minds to, to let them come through to us. Our loved ones, I do believe, speak to us a lot of times through our thoughts but we miss them. We can explicitly ask for dream visits before we go to sleep. We can set appointments with our loved ones and say, I'd like to have a dream visit with you. And I'd like to remember, by the way, I always, I always add that I'd like to remember it. That can actually help get results. Another thing extremely important is to express gratitude for the signs that you received to, to recognize the person that they, they gave you that sign. Because as I said earlier, I don't think this communication it's as simple and straightforward as we might like to think it is. And we think, well, if they're not sending me signs, it must be because they don't care about me. It might be because it's very difficult. And I think some people are more skilled at sending signs than others, and some people more skilled at sending, sending certain types of signs than others. Um, so for further study on this, I recommend two things. One is the book Soul Smart by Suzanne Wilson. That's a great book that will teach you some practical ways to receive signs. Also to recognize them, but also the book uh, Hello from Heaven by Bill and Judy Guggenheim is a great book on knowing the various types of signs that there are out there. So in conclusion, I want to say, 
you know, as with everything, there's no one simple universal answer as to why some people get these extraordinary experiences and others don't. I've tried to highlight some reasons why I think it may be. But what's undeniable is the immense comfort and the ongoing connection that these interactions do offer us, especially as we're going through the rugged landscape of grief and loss. So learn to recognize the signs, learn the things that you can do to enhance your ability to receive the signs, and be grateful for the ones that you get. So again, thank you for spending this time with me. If you enjoyed this episode, be be sure to share the podcast far and wide. Let other people know about it. Let them know about it. They can sign up to get the premium episodes as well. And thank you and have a wonderful day. Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.